morning, uh, we're going to be t- starting in our Christmas series uh, called Wonder. Uh, and so usually we kind of go through like an Advent series and looking at hope and love, uh, faith and peace. Uh, this year we're going to be taking a look at the aspect uh, of, of just the amazing detail, uh, the, the planning that God put into Christmas, the wonder of his plan for, for all the ages, for our salvation, uh, that culminated in Jesus Christ both being born on Christmas uh, and then heading forward uh, as into Easter uh, and his death and then resurrection. Uh, and so with that, we're going to be looking at his plan, uh, his sovereignty throughout the way it's been revealed both within creation uh, and different events. Uh, and we're going to have a number of different videos uh, from a gentleman, Jay Siegert, uh, that kind of talks about some of those things uh, for us to reflect on. And so we've got our, our first one here this morning. Is in stark contrast to what we read in the book of Genesis. They teach in the public school systems and state universities. It's very different than what we see in the Bible. A lot of people. The idea of evolution is in stark contrast to what we read in the book of Genesis. What they teach in the public school systems and state universities is very different than what we see in the Bible. A lot of people try to put the two together. It really doesn't work. That'd be a whole other video series. Since we're talking about evolution, we need to define it. When I mention evolution, I'm not just talking about different breeds of dogs and cats or beaks that Darwin got very excited about. What they teach in the school systems and what I'm referring to is the idea that maybe 3.8 billion years ago, dead chemicals got together to form a living cell, which then turned itself into every other life form on this planet through natural processes over hundreds and hundreds of millions of years. How is that supposed to work? It's not like a creature senses a need for something and then evolves it, like the fish were swimming around in the oceans and hey, we need lungs to get up on the land to find new sources of food. No scientists believe that. What they think happened was you got creatures just reproducing themselves, copying what they are, making more of themselves, and along the way, accidental copying errors happen, mutations, and things get better and better over millions and millions of years. Well, if you're going to take a single-celled organism and turn it into human beings and every other life form, you gotta add a lot of new information because human beings and fish and dolphins have a lot more information in them than a single-celled organism. Where does that information come from? You've probably heard about natural selection and mutations. Scientists know natural selection doesn't add anything new. It just explains why some things are dying out. You can't create anything new. So where does the information come from? Well, they tell us it's mutations. Well, what's a mutation? It's an accidental copying error in the DNA. It's just kind of an oops and oops. A point mutation would be deleting a letter. So envision opening up a book and just randomly deleting a letter here, duplicating a letter there, substituting a letter somewhere else. Take one letter out, put another random character in. That's what mutations are. So can they create the vast amount of information we need for evolution to work? No, it really can't. And here's why. Number one, they are mistakes and they agree that they generally are detrimental to the process of evolution, but they say there are some good ones once in a while. Well, how is that going to work? Well, we need to take a look very briefly at the structure of DNA. How is the information actually written on the DNA? Well, picture yourself reading a segment of your DNA and it's spelled out, was it a rat I saw? Kind of a strange sentence. If you write that down, you can see very quickly 
could actually read it backwards. It spells, was it a rat I saw? It's called a palindrome. That's what we've discovered about our DNA. Much of it can not only be read forwards, but it can also be read backwards. But the challenge goes much deeper than that, because that was the same message both ways. Consider the word desserts. We flip that around, it spells stressed. Two messages, one one way, one the other way. Let's introduce a random mutation to our information here, the word desserts. Just randomly delete the T. It doesn't spell desserts anymore. It also doesn't spell stressed. One random change messed up two messages because it goes forwards and backwards. But our DNA is much more complex than that. We have entire chapters of complex instructions that can be read both forwards and backwards. There's no way that particles interacting over millions of years could create an information system that can be read both forwards and backwards. And secondly, when you take that complex system and copy it, and you make random changes to it, you're not going to improve it, you're gonna make it worse and worse. That's just one reason why evolution just can't work. And we are just scratching the surface, talking about the wonders of God. It's stuff like that that's just mind-boggling to me. You know, to sit there and, and to hear about how DNA is, is something that's read, you know, forwards and, and backwards, and you have these chromosomes that are all involved, and, and all of this kind of, like, comes together uh, in a way that then says, like, oh, you're going to have blue eyes, and you're going to have green eyes, or blonde hair, or brunettes, or whatever it might be, and it's all constructed in this way. I was looking at some different stats uh, within this um, and that for uh, human beings, when the DNA, uh, the similarity between different humans uh, within this room or, or throughout all of humanity uh, is that 99.9% of DNA uh, for all of us within here uh, is similar to one another. Uh, and really, it's like that one-tenth of DNA uh, that is different that really determines, you know, whether or not we're, we're tall or we're short uh, to be able to understand these different things, you know. Uh, between the two different chromosomes that come together, the one of two, either XX or XY, either male or female, uh, and all of this created and, and being formed by God uh, in this miraculous sense. Um, the wonder in his world is just astounding to me. Uh, and the majesty of his creation. The other night I was walking home from the men's Bible study. And um, I wanted to walk because I'm in this half marathon training, you know, to try and like build up some endurance. And uh, uh, where Joshua lives, where we had the, the Bible study, I have to go up um, Oakland um, Street up to Forest Park, kind of where I, I live. And, and so it's like this incline and so I'm like walking up this incline and it was like a full moon it was kind of beautiful and I'm thinking about that uh, and then I start huffing and puffing uh, a little bit and so you know kind of put your head down as you're walking up uh, and then all of a sudden I saw all these lights like dancing before my eyes and I'm like okay <laughs> like, am I gonna pass out like like what's happening with this uh, and I started to wonder if half marathon was a wise idea if I'm just walking up a street and I got these lights dancing before me. And I realized that what it actually was was ice crystals being reflected in the moonlight. 
Like we don't have snow out, but, but we've had a little bit more warmer days that are a little bit more humid. And so like these things that like settled down uh, onto the ground. Uh, and so they're sitting there and all of their different facets are like reflecting the moonlight back. And it's just absolutely beautiful and sparkling in that creation. Uh, and that's what really even got me thinking about this whole aspect with this DNA, because when you look at different snow crystals and, and all of their different facets, each one is so different from the other. Like, like each one of them grows uh, in a different way. Uh, you look at snow uh, and it's all white on the ground and, and the reality is it's actually all clear. Like, like snow crystals itself are, are clear. There's no color to them. But because of the different facets, they actually reflect like the entirety of the light spectrum, which then our eyes see as white. And so like thinking about that and just this individual nature of these snow crystals and then reflecting on this idea of DNA and just how precise everything has to be in order for, for there to be a human being, for it to be you and, and me, creates this uh, amazing sense of each of our uniqueness also within a structured plan of God. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning uh, in regards to Christmas and ourselves and the, the created order of God. And uh, well, So we'll get into that this morning, but before we do, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, everything that you've created, the, the full spectrum uh, of color, that we can enjoy uh, teals uh, and maroon, gold, silver, the blue of a sky, the water, grass, uh, the light reflected in uh, a diamond. The way you created everything so precisely from different animals and then the, even the consideration of ourselves and how you formed us. And both complex and miraculous. Lord, I pray that as we consider these amazing truths, that it helps us to consider your sovereignty. How you hold everything in your hand. You spoke everything into existence, but not in a simplistic way, uh, in a way that could only be of design by the Creator. Uh, and so, Lord, I help, pray that you help us to reflect on that uh, as we consider these things uh, and look towards this Christmas season, towards your plan. Uh, and how that can increase our trust in you uh, as you guide us and lead us through all of this. Uh, we pray this uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're sitting here, we're kind of considering like this, this uniqueness, this created, structured order that was brought about uh, by God. And, and specifically in this video, taking a look at the, the different DNA and, and the way that we were kind of knit together. Uh, there's verses before they even knew what DNA was uh, that referred to some of these things. In Psalm uh, chapter 139, beginning in verse 13, it says, It was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, uh, and I know this very well. Uh, another uh, translation would say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. This idea of, of being knit together 
and it God uh, creating this and, and knitting it together. I, you think of um, different art projects that you do, uh, crocheting, uh, trying to think of the word for the other thing, stitching, embroidery. Yes, thank you. Like, like each one of those things is like, here's this little thread on a needle that you put through a piece of fabric and you just go in and out uh, and there's one little strand uh, of yarn or thread there. And then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And as it's put together uh, by the artist, it begins to create the, this structure, this beautiful work of art. And, and what he's saying here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is this idea of being knit together in our mother's womb. And, and if you just think of the different strands, uh, you have the, um, the coming together uh, just as... Uh, two cells merge, each one carrying half the DNA. And they're knit together in the moment of conception and life. And from two donors, male and female, coming together in the miracle of conception. And in that, those chromosomes coming together and the stitching begins of DNA from both. You've got... the trying to remember even from high school what some of these things are and they're terrible but <laughs> with the different aspects of dna um anybody know what they're called i'm trying to remember Rib riboflavin ribosomes chromosomes yeah i'm trying to think like there's an a and a b and we can look it up <laughs> sorry but they're starting to like be knit together in a very specific structure. You have that the double helix, uh, if you can picture the idea of DNA being put together in a very specific order, stitched one after another after another. And, and the way that they're put together is the way that those two combined half cells then come into two cells and four cells, and eight cells, and 16 cells. And, and as it does it, it's not the same cell. Like within a matter of weeks, um, there are different things that you're able to determine um, where eyes are, where fingerprints are. In fact, when an infant uh, is just 16 weeks in the womb, uh, you can see lips. You can see little individual hands. And it's just amazing how it grows from there. And not even in that, but, but also knit together a sense of personality. For, for, people, for parents that have more than one kid, like, like as you come together, like are each of the kids like carbon copies of each other? Even if they're twins, are they exactly the same in personality? And it's the way that God puts this all of together, being knit together in our mother's womb, that we can praise him because we've been remarkably and, and wondrously made. We just, just consider what human bodies are, are capable uh, of doing. I've also often thought about this when I was a, a younger kid, and, you know, you have that imagination, and what would you like to pretend to be? And, you know, like, oh, I would really like to swim really, really fast. Uh, and so, like, you know, those dolphins, like, they're so fast in the water, and they can jump up and do those really, really cool tricks. And uh, I watched Flipper a lot when I was a kid. Uh, so it'd be cool to be a dolphin, right? But a dolphin can't climb a tree. 
you know, so maybe that's, you know, there's a weakness in the dolphin there. Uh, and so, um, yeah, let's do a monkey then, because like a monkey can go like up a tree really, really fast and, and be able to do those things. Um, but wait, a monkey can't swim the greatest, right? <laughs> and you start considering like, like all of these different things, but then you consider what, what as humans, what we're capable of, of doing, like the, the Olympic record set by people with 10 fingers, 10 toes, maybe a little bit longer torso, but have gone through the training and how fast they can swim. Or, or if you've watched the videos uh, of people climbing Mount Everest and going to the top of that peak, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not birds that have to build nests out of found twigs and yarn and the lint from my dryer vent. Like, like look what we're sitting in right now. Like, like these boards on the floor were from trees that man, through creativity and wisdom, gifted to us by God, knit within us, gave us the ability to determine how to plane these out, to square them up, to, to lay them down on the ground, to be able to build bricks around it, to put up lights. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. The, the design that God has put into us was not an accident. Because he said, let us create man, let us create woman in our image. And in that was the creativity, the artistry, the, uh, the ability to, to build things in a reflection of him. We can't build things out of nothing the way that God did, speaking the world into existence out of nothing. Uh, but we can take what he has created and then reflect those attributes in the way that we do these things. But what we have to acknowledge is that God, in all of his sovereignty, in all of his power, in all of his wisdom, and in all of his will, he purposed for you to exist. For you to exist knit together in our mother's womb, piece and strand of DNA, one after another, to create you in his image. All of this wonder brought in that and with a purpose. Not just for you to exist, but uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, uh, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, uh, and so this is God speaking to Jeremiah and saying, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born, and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So we take a look at this verse, and we're saying, well, that's for Jeremiah, right? The guy that, that wrote Jeremiah and Lamentations and was thrown into a cistern and, and, and God chose him. But, but also then we go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Speaking about us as the church, us as his created children. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, As it is written, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, and no human heart is conceived. God has prepared these things for those who love him. His purpose was to create you as you sit in that seat. You. Your personality. 
your strengths. Maybe the creativity that he has given to you, the, the wisdom that he's given to you, the, the ability that he's given to you, it was all knit together in purpose because of his sovereignty, his power, his wisdom, and his will. You are not an accident. You are not some random combination of evolution that came from a single cell in a primordial soup that just happens to exist right now. God wanted you to be breathing here and now at this moment for His will and for His purpose. The purpose that He gives us is far beyond anything that this world can offer. He did not knit you together just to be able to live on this earth for anything from dying within the womb to 110. To, to be able to accomplish building this building. Uh, this is an amazing accomplishment. All of those bricks, the Cream City bricks that were brought together, somebody sat there on scaffolding and, and back-breaking work, lifting those things up. This was built before they had like the pneumatic lifts that we do now. Amazing. I don't know the name of the person who built this. And in 200 years, 400 years, 10,000 years, this building probably won't even be here. So why do we work so hard to pursue things like this, accomplishments within our own life, when God's purpose is for us to be able to pursue eternity uh, in our relationship with Him? To have a, a kingdom purpose, to have uh, eternal impact, uh, both within our own lives and the lives of those around us. It's the reason that He knit us together. It's the, the reason that He has rescued us. Because the redemption plan of God was not an accident either. He's not sitting there like, oops, um, this whole experiment with these man-shaped things, like that's not going really well. We need to do something to fix this. Like, like right there, within the Garden of Eden, after he created us in his image and were the only beings in existence made according to the image of God. It's not even said that of angels. The fact that God made us in his image and then breathed his life into us. And then sin entered into the world. Well, we'll cover that in a couple of weeks here. But then his plan right off the bat was there's a Savior coming. There is a plan. There is a purpose for this. There is a redemption coming. And as we go through this series, we're going to be taking a look at some different videos and some different aspects within Scripture that just show that this wasn't just a whim of God saying, you know what? I'm going to come down to the earth whenever I feel like it. Um, and we'll just see what happens. And, and they'll probably, you know, maybe they'll kill me. Maybe they won't. If they do, then that, that's my plan. Like, it works out great. Uh, and if they don't, well, then I'll just continue to irritate them until they do kill me, and then that whole thing works out. Like, like that's not his plan. We're going to be looking through this series at everything that, that he has pieced together from the very first prophecy in Genesis where he talks about a coming Savior that will redeem mankind from sin 
and death. We're going to be looking throughout the entire Old Testament uh, at the different prophecies pointing forward and how Jesus Christ as the Messiah came and fulfilled these things intentionally with the sovereignty plan uh, of God in all of this to give us redemption. So, so not only did he have a plan uh, for you to exist here and now, but he's had a plan uh, to rescue you from sin and from death. And then through that rescue to begin a work within us as we're transformed more and more into his likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Philippians chapter 1. And Paul writes, I give thanks to my God for, for every remembrance of you, for, for the church in, um, in Philippia. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion uh, until the day of Christ Jesus. The one that started a work within us. And so not only uh, purposing for us to exist, but purposing uh, in his rescue of us to begin this transformative work of the Holy Spirit within our lives in order to reflect Jesus and to be light into this world uh, around us. But also a plan to not leave us as he first rescued us. Jesus came down to earth, was born, lived a perfect life without sin, died uh, on the cross for our sins, was risen again in, in order to pave the way for a new life for us and, and redemption and reconciliation with God. Uh, and then God comes into our life uh, as we find salvation through him. Uh, and again, his plan is not, oh, I, I see you need some help. Um, will you follow me? Yes, Lord, I'm, I'm broken by my sin. Forgive me for trying to do things on my own. I want you to be my Lord. Uh, I want to follow you. Okay, cool. Like, you're in the club now. Um, we'll see you at the end. I, it's not what God does. He doesn't just put our, our name into the book of life and be like, all right, your insurance policy is, is filled out correctly now through salvation, uh, and now you're on your own uh, until either I come back or you drop dead. But you're okay after that. Like, like what we're seeing here in Philippians is that, that he has begun this work within us and will carry it on until the day of completion to the day of Jesus Christ's return or, or us leaving this earth. His plan is not to leave us as he first found us, but through sanctification, an ongoing progressive transformation, something that continues on throughout our entire life. Which means, wherever you're at today, from the day that you were born to the, the day that you found faith in Christ or hopefully the day that you will find faith in Christ. And then you can continue on from there uh, that God knows your innermost thoughts. What we just talked last week about He even knows how many hairs are, are on your head. He knows the struggles that you have. The temptations that you face. 
the difficulties within your life, the, the relationships that, that seem to blow up, the depression that you fight and struggle against. Each one of those things. And God has a way for you in your life to grow through that, to be refined through that. First Peter um, chapter 1, James chapter 1, and Romans chapter 5 all talk uh, about through uh, a refining process, which sometimes is stressful to us because we may not know what's going on, but, but through that, God works within us, grows and strengthens our faith. Which means that each one of us uh, is on an individually developed plan. <laughs> For him to make us look more like Jesus Christ. You are not an accident. God purposed for you to be here. Whatever you're struggling with, you're not alone. God has a plan and a helper in the Holy Spirit to bring you along as he frees you and causes you to walk more like Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. So then, friends, flee from idolatry. We might feel like we're alone at times. That, that nobody knows what we're struggling with. The shame that we feel, the, the guilt or condemnation, or, or even the thoughts uh, of if people really knew who I was on the inside, they wouldn't think about me the way that they think about me. And, and it creates a shame. It creates a condemnation. It creates a, a struggle that saps our energy and even our desire to try at times. But the truth of what we're seeing from the, the smallest molecule of DNA that God knit together for you as he knit you together in your mother's womb to bringing you to a point of salvation, to bringing you to a point where the Holy Spirit is working within you to help you transform to the point of always providing a way of escape for whatever you're facing. God is with you every step of the way as an individual, for you, as the Holy Spirit works within us. And so we just follow along. We seek to have this beautiful relationship that he desires with us, an intimate relationship with God himself. And we looked at how much he loved us last week. And then it's like he's sitting there and as he designs these things for us in Ephesians, uh, we looked at how it talked about uh, preparing uh, good works for us to be able to do within this life. It's, it's as though the master builder himself is saying, I, I designed my son. I designed my daughter. I put these gifts within them and, and there's amazing ways that I'm going to use them. And if they struggle, if they stumble, I'm just going to help prepare them to go forward from there. To guide and to lead. And, and for us, we look at that, we think of this idea of God's great design and his plan for us. And, and then we start maybe dealing with the temptation of thinking like, well, 
I'm just going to screw that up. Like, like, here's this great thing that God has, but, but I'm so weak, I'm so foolish, I make mistakes. Uh, and yet what we find is that even God has planned and works in his sovereignty through what we would consider setbacks. Romans chapter 8 says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn, and Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So, so again, here the Holy Spirit's inspiring. Do you, do you get this? That through salvation, you were considered to be a brother and sister of Jesus himself. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those, it's his work of progress. He also glorified. What then are we to say these things? If God is for us, who is against us? If God has designed us and knit us together in our mother's womb with a plan of redemption and then the work of the Holy Spirit working within us, if we can grasp that truth, we can say along with Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that all things work together for the good of those who love God according to his purposes. This means that regardless of the situation that we face, as long as we're submitted to God, he will work it for our good. The thing is, you have to define what good is. Because good here is not necessarily our preference. Like, it would be good for me to have a McLaren race car. You know, I I think that would be good for me, you know. Shorten the commute a little bit on the way to Milwaukee, go a little bit faster. I think it would be great, except I don't actually think it would be good for me. I remember as a kid thinking like, oh, it would be so good to have cookies for breakfast, right? No, it's not. Even though there's a cereal, I remember that, I forget what it's called. Cookie crisp, yeah, wasn't there like a hound dog or something like that? Cookie, you know? But the thing is, is like having cookies for breakfast is the reason I need to train for this half marathon. It's not good for me. And God has created all these things. And so we have to define that because he says to work out all things together for the good of those who love him in accordance with his planned work in your life to refine you for his purposes and his glory into the likeness of his son Jesus Christ we face a difficult situation earlier I was talking about a 15 week old fetus and how you could see fingers and lips and I know that because my wife and I, a number of years ago, went through a stillbirth. And, and I held my daughter in the palm of my hand. And I could see lips. And I could see each individual finger. As God was, was knitting that together. And, and just the amazement of his creation. And also one of the most difficult times in our life. And yet, we've seen nothing but God use that for good. Again, so painful. But there are very few things that have caused me to seek Him 
as much as that situation did. And then to seek Him in that, to find comfort in the Holy Spirit. And there are dozens of people that we have been able to minister to now throughout the rest of our our lives since that moment that have gone through a stillbirth or a miscarriage. And we are able to deeply sympathize with them and share how God helped us through that situation. Now, nobody would call a stillbirth a good thing. But it's not what he's saying here. Here's all things, including a stillbirth, that are working together for the good of those who love him. The situation itself, I would never label as good. But what God did in us, he used that situation for good. We think of different things uh, in our life, uh, the sin that we struggle with and we face and we find difficulty. He's using that for good. The conviction that we feel, it's not comfortable. We don't like the way it feels to be convicted of sin and something that needs to change but we allow Him to work within us and that conviction causing us to allow the Holy Spirit to work for repentance, for submission, to work for change, then God is using that situation for good because we draw closer to Him and we get stronger and stronger in resisting sin. God's plan covers all aspects of our life everything that we face to to the point where he says there's nothing in this life there's no temptation in this life that that you face that isn't common to all of mankind the the deepest hardest or even darkest temptation you have ever faced in your life you are not alone in that because it's common to humanity Somebody else has experienced that. Somebody else has felt that. But the truth is, is that the plan of God in sending the Helper, the Holy Spirit, as promised in John chapter 16, where Christ said, it's better for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit comes, was all part of God's plan to work within us individually, to heal us, to strengthen us, to make us look more like Jesus. I'm excited uh, about this series as we look to Christmas. It's good to have traditions. It's good to look at faith and hope and love uh, and peace. And I encourage you, uh, you know, to go through an Advent devotional, to meditate on those things, to to go through the scripture readings of this season. But, But there's something wonderful and miraculous about God's intentional plan where you are not an accident and Jesus Christ came at a very specific time for a very specific reason to redeem you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we come to the season of Christmas and look to the birth of Christ. Something that happens every year, COVID or not, uh, and that we have all kinds of traditions and ways of celebrating and being joyful for this greatest gift of the Savior come down. But Lord, I pray that we would not miss on the miraculous, 
the intentional plan and power and sovereignty that you exercised throughout all of human existence to make that one night come about where Jesus came into the world. Rescue, come down. So let us be awed in wonder by this this year to celebrate and worship the born King and to praise His holy name. We pray this in His great name. Jesus. Amen.